Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Good evening. I'm Sarah, the pastor here at Crozet United Methodist Church, and we are glad that you have joined us for this, our Good Friday worship. We are in the midst of a time of isolation, and so this year, Good Friday looks and feels a little different. You might find an added sense of sorrow by not being able to find comfort as we mourn this tremendous day. However, we are excited to be able to find new ways to connect, and we rejoice that the Holy Spirit is connecting us no matter where we are as we take this time to stop our busyness and to focus upon the greatest gift that we have ever received, which is salvation by the cross through Jesus Christ. We also hope that you will join us on Easter at, to bring to full circle the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will have worship at 9.30 on Sunday morning, and we hope you'll be able to join us. So without further delay, I would like for us to begin with these words of greeting. We have gathered here because Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Let us pray. Almighty God, your Son, Jesus Christ, was lifted high upon the cross so that he might draw the whole world to himself. Grant that we, who glory in this death for our salvation, may also glory in his call to take up our cross and follow him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It is traditional on Good Friday to have an opportunity to meditate at the cross. And this evening, we will be inviting you to do that. There are a number of lamentations that are offered from the viewpoint and the voice of Jesus Christ that I will be reading. I will pause after them so that you might echo in your own words what you think and feel. You may do this out loud or in the quietness of your heart, whatever you feel is appropriate. If you come from a tradition that has a litany of prayers, you might find it appropriate to resurrect for yourself, Lord, in your mercy. And so let us begin this evening with these lamentations about the faithlessness of the church in Jesus' name. O oh, my people, O oh, my church, what have I done to you, or in what have I offended you? I led you forth from the land of Egypt and delivered you by the waters of baptism but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. I led you through the desert 40 years and fed you with manna. I brought you through times of persecution and of renewal and gave you my body, the bread of heaven, but you have prepared a cross for your Savior. I made you branches of my vineyard and gave you the water of salvation. But when I was thirsty, you gave me vinegar and gall and pierced with a spear the side of your Savior.
I went before you in a pillar of cloud, but you have led me to the judgment hall of Pilate. I brought you to a land of freedom and prosperity, but you have scourged, mocked, and beaten me. I gave you a royal scepter and bestowed the keys of the, ki of the kingdom, but you have given me a crown of thorns. I raised you on high with great power, but you have hanged me on the cross. My peace I gave, which the world cannot give, and washed your feet as a servant. But you draw the sword to strike in my name and seek high places in my kingdom. I accepted the cup of suffering and death for your sakes, but you scatter and deny and abandon me. I sent the spirit of truth to lead you, but you close your hearts to my guidance. I called you to go and bring forth fruit, but you cast lots for my clothing. I prayed that you all may be one, but you continue to quarrel and divide. I grafted you unto the tree of my chosen people, Israel, but you turned on them with persecution and mass murder. I made you joint heirs with them of my covenants, but you made them scapegoats for your own guilt. I came to you as the least of your brothers and sisters. I was hungry, but you gave me no food. Thirsty, but you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, but you did not welcome me. Naked, but you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, but you did not visit me. Lord, in your mercy, may we find your forgiveness and the grace to try again. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. This evening, we are going to read several pieces of scripture. And the first is one that is most well known, but I will not be reading it this evening in the Old English of the King James Bible. And so I invite you to hear a English translation in more of our modern vernacular of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. 
Our second scripture reading this evening comes to us from the Gospel account of John, chapter 9, verses 16 through 30. Then Pontius Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And this is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister Mary, wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, your people scattered all over the earth are mourning this day, mourning the necessity of the suffering and the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who had done no wrong, committed no sin, and was least deserving of humiliation and persecution. And yet, his love was so great and profound that he allowed himself to suffer and die that we should not, that instead he would bear both our guilt and our sin, suffer the death that they warrant, and allow us to experience unparalleled grace, endless forgiveness, and a love that transforms not only our lives, but our very beings. As we wrestle with your love and this great sense of loss, we pray that the Holy Spirit will hold us together, knitting us together into the body of Christ in new and transformative ways, helping us to prepare our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our spirits for the celebration of Christ's triumph, over sin and death, and the resurrection that we so cherish on Easter. 
May this be a time for us to recognize the role that we have played in the necessity of the cross, but also a time for us to rejoice that you have saved us all. May it be so, Almighty God, that we would show you gratitude so that we may show others your grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. The stark reality of this day strikes me every year. I wake up knowing that I am probably late to keep the timeline of the day. Even if I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, chances are things that were recorded in the scriptures were already taking place. Jesus was betrayed at what we celebrate as last evening. And from that time on, he suffered constantly whether he was being persecuted with words or with hands or with instruments of violence. He suffered time and time again. People mocking him, questioning who he was, denying his true nature, and trying to get him to become part of the system that would ultimately sentence him to death. They wanted to use his words against him. They wanted to use his miracles and his goodness to hurt him. And they did this constantly for over 24 hours. And then this morning, he went before Pontius Pilate. And even there, he found no mercy. While Pontius Pilate didn't understand the full machinations in effect and didn't understand that this was coming for generations and generations, much less after three earthly years of ministry, Pilate couldn't quite fathom what it was about Jesus that the Sadducees and the Pharisees feared so much. This man? What has he done? He certainly didn't see Jesus as a threat to the Roman Empire, much less his physical safety. And yet at the urging of the high priests and the vehemence of the crowd, he relented and agreed to crucify our innocent Christ. And the next hours were agonizing. They stripped him and they beat him. They humiliated him. They mocked him. They made him carry a piece of the cross beam all the way out of the city and up to the hill. They nailed him to the cross and hung him there, naked and ashamed, exposed to even more ridicule and persecution as people mocked him and dared him to come down off the cross. And it's not that he couldn't, but it's that he wouldn't someone who loves each and every one of us so very much that Jesus wouldn't truncate his suffering, would not at all ease his pain because he wanted to pay the full price for us. And as modern Christians, we come thousands of years after this moment, and yet it is just as true for us today as it was that day that he died. The blood of the cross has not been watered down. It has not lost its potency after almost 2,000 years. It is still as vital and vibrant and necessary for each and every one of us, and it is ours. All that we have done, all of the ridiculous things that we have said and the way that we have made people feel, the things that we have not said, the testimonies that we have not offered when we have not said the name of our God and given glory when it was due, 
the things that we have not done, as Jesus said, when we have not fed the hungry or gave the thirsty something to drink, when we didn't welcome the stranger or clothe the naked, when we refused to visit the sick and the imprisoned, when we didn't do these things, mercy and grace can still be ours because of the gift of the cross. It is something that hasn't depreciated. It is something that we grow to appreciate the longer we live and the more we encounter human sin, both within ourselves, within our loved ones, within our community, and within the world, we understand just how necessary that truly was. Because human sin is of such great magnitude, it wrecks lives and generations. And God could not sit idly by and watch us destroy one another. Instead, God came to us in this incredible incarnation in Jesus. And Jesus walked amongst us. He knew what it meant to be human. He understood how our context and our society shape us and form us for good and for bad. He watched as people struggled with our inclination to sin, and he loved us anyway. And then he did what only he could do. He took his place as the sacrificial lamb on the cross and allowed his blood to be that which would allow God's judgment and wrath to pass over us. What an incredible gift of mercy. And today is one that is filled with hurt and anger that this happened to our Lord. It is filled with sorrow and suffering as we wrestle with our contribution to this horrible truth, the atrocity that befell Jesus Christ. But even now, we do not mourn like those with no hope. All of us, even if we are willing to come and stand before the cross and truly wrestle with it, we only do this because we know that that is not the end. Jesus didn't stay on the cross he didn't stay in the tomb. We are clinging desperately to the hope of the resurrection to get us through the darkness of today and tomorrow. But we cannot forsake or forget that today ever happened. It is truly an honor for us to pay attention to how important this day is. It is to honor God and the sacrifice of God the Son when we choose to dwell in this moment. And most of the Christian world does not. I can tell you from my time in ministry that one of the least attended worship services of the entire year is Good Friday. But perhaps this year, our circumstances in our life have given us a greater appreciation for what God still does when we struggle, when we are sick, when we are separated, when we feel broken or we feel oppressed by circumstances beyond our control, God continues to come to us in new and unparalleled ways. And God does this not because of the cross. The cross is a sign that God wanted to do this from the very beginning. And no matter who we are or where we find ourselves in our spiritual journey, the cross is with us every step of the way not to make us feel guilt, but to remind us that we can overcome our own guilt and that we are not judged by our past, 
but we are given a bright future that we may enter into something holy and new because Christ has taken away all that would keep us in the past, all of the guilt and the sin and the suffering. Christ agrees then and now to take it upon himself and set us free. May we become the people that truly recognize that today is about being free. Free of all of those things because Jesus said, you go on ahead. I will take care of this. I love you that much. One of the things that I learned when I became a mother is that there is truly someone in this world that I would suffer and die for. Someone that I love so deeply. And it gave me the insight that that's how God feels about every single person. Our divine parent looks down on every human being and says, you are my child, and I would suffer for you. I would take away all of your pain if I could, and I would die that you may live. That message came home for me when I had someone that I would do that for. And it gives me a glimpse into just how profound that love is, not just for my child, but for every child of every age and through every age. God sees infinite worth in us. That only God could pay that price. And on those days when we feel worthless and we feel like no one wants to be with us and no one is willing to give us a second chance, we cling to Good Friday. We know there is one, the greatest of all, the one true God who came to us in Jesus of Nazareth who wasn't just the king of the Jews. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he suffered and died for us. May that give us hope that there is one who values and loves us that much. May it be so. May we honor him this day and with every breath we take. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. In a moment, we will have an opportunity to reflect and meditate. It's important that sometimes we don't talk or listen to human voice, but instead have an opportunity to hear what God would say to us. And so I'm going to open with a prayer, inviting us to reflect and to receive what God would like to speak into the inner depths of our beings. And we'll have a few minutes of meditative music. And then I will close us with prayer. Wherever you are and however you find yourself, let us pray. Mighty and merciful God, we come to you now with our hearts exposed. Our spirits yearn to know that we are yours. Grant us the assurance that all of that suffering and death that our Lord experienced was not in vain that we are capable of being transformed, taking the liberty and the freedom that he gives to us from the cross and living new lives, lives that are marked by acts of kindness and mercy, born of the unparalleled love and compassion that Jesus first revealed for us. May we take this time to hear what you would say to us now, speak into the very depths of our being in a language of love that there are no words to encompass, 
and that our ears cannot begin to fathom. For all that you have done, Almighty God, we lay ourselves before you in gratitude, eager to hear what you would say to us now. Gracious God, may the words that you have begun to speak to us in a language much deeper than any that we can speak with our lips, may it continue to convey to us how special we are to you. And may the bonds that you have forged with us in this sacred time continue to knit us closer together with you, that we may go forth to serve others, inspired by your love, your unparalleled grace and the redemption that you bring to us through your very selfless offering upon the cross. May it be so. In your name we pray. Amen. This evening, I'm going to offer you a song that I was first asked to sing at a funeral. And 
it's one of the things that I've done at a funeral that spoke very profoundly and deeply, and it's called Hallelujah. And we don't normally think about singing Hallelujah on Good Friday, but I think that this song especially conveys that for Christians, Hallelujah is the response to the hope that we have, even when we remember the pain and the suffering of the cross. And so I offer you this. Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift. The baffled king composing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. say I took the name in vain. I don't even know the name, but if I did, well, really, what's it to you? There's a blaze of light in every word. It doesn't matter what you heard. The holy or the broken hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I did my best, it wasn't much. I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch. I've told the truth, I didn't come to fool you. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we prepare to go forth this night, may we not find ourselves mourning like those who have no hope, but may we mourn like those who cling most desperately to hope. And that hope is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In him alone do we stand, and in him alone will we find our grace. Go forth in peace, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. 
We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.